second week of Women's History Month. I hope you all are taking the time to learn about all of the amazing contributions women have made to history, society, culture, essentially everything, right? Um, This year, we are really focusing on Black women in history because we have been left out of this women's history conversation for so long. So we want to make sure that we are highlighting the contributions of black women both then and now. And one of the ways that we are doing that is by recognizing phenomenal women across the globe. So at Black Ivy Media, if you're not already following us, you should. <laughs> at Black Ivy Media on Instagram or on Facebook, um, Twitter, YouTube, etc. However, on Instagram in particular, we are highlighting 31 phenomenal women in the entrepreneurial spaces and creative spaces. And these are not like celebrities, right? We're not highlighting the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's, although they all deserve their flowers. We are highlighting everyday women who are breaking the mold, who are shattering glass ceilings, who are redefining spaces, and who are shifting the narrative of what it means to be Black in this world, right? So, so far, we have highlighted 12, because we are highlighting one woman a day, we have highlighted 12 phenomenal women from South Africa to Quebec, Canada, to, you know, Philly, to New York. So we are continuing on with our series for the next, I don't know, 31 minus (laughs) 13 days. So I encourage you all to really check out the platform and to really check out these women and to figure out how you can support, right? Because as entrepreneurs and creatives, we need support. We need the community support. We need the support of one another in order to continue moving forward, in order for us to continue making impact, right? So definitely follow us at Black Ivy Media to check out these amazing women because you might know one. You might stumble on somebody that you know. Either way, also want to plug in our event on March 24th. So Thursday, March 24th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live and YouTube, we are having our live panel on Black women and fertility. I think I talked a little bit about this last week, so I'm not going to go into too much of the spiel. However, I want you guys to tune in because this is a very important conversation and we do not talk about this enough in the Black community. And when we talk about fertility, this is not just a woman topic. This is a man topic, too, because it takes two to tango. It takes two to make a baby. And so when we're talking about fertility, there are male factors as well, too, that sometimes we want to ignore. When we think about fertility, infertility, a lot of the blame you know, goes to the women. And so in this particular panel, we are going to be, you know, 
demystifying you know certain certain ideologies that have been pushed out into the atmosphere we're going to be talking about some of the stigmas right and we're going to be empowering you with real information from an amazing panel of experts we have fertility rights reproductive rights um, advocates that are going to be on this panel we have uh, doctors, actual doctors, <laughs> who are going to be talking about their work in this field. So this is a, a real panel with real um, professionals who have dealt in this specific area that is going to be sharing this information. And so we encourage you guys to come with your questions because we are going to do it on StreamYard. So you guys will be able to throw your questions in the chat. Um, so yeah, so we are waiting for you guys. If you are looking for more information, again, follow us on Black Ivy Media, um, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook to find out how you can RSVP. The link will be in the bio. Um, and if you are not on social media, then you can go to Eventbrite and just type in Black Women and Fertility or Black Ivy Media and you should be able to see the event pop up. All right. So, Today, we have an amazing show because we have an amazing guest. We always have amazing guests. So I'm never going to get sick of that line and neither should you. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about women empowerment and some of the aspects that are really not talked about so much when we're talking about this women empowerment movement. I feel like I might have talked about this, if not on this platform, then on Frida's World, which is another podcast of mine that you guys should check out. Um, but just talking about what does it really mean to support women, right? What is what is women empowerment? What is women supporting women truly look like, especially in the black community? And so I'm going to have my law school sister, Diane, um, serve as a guest speaker. And we are going to talk about this. We're both you know, black professionals that have experienced, you know, microaggressions, not just from, you know, the, you know, the non-black community, but even within our own community, right? Um, and so we're going to talk about what true sisterhood is supposed to look like. We're going to talk about some of the experiences that we've gone through trying to really move up the ladder um, on our own without much assistance, right? Um, so we're going to talk about that. I don't want to get too much into this conversation on the pre and the prequel. So, <laughs> so I'm going to leave it to there, but that's a little bit of the preview. Um, I think it's important for us to talk about as we are looking for ways to support each other and to better each other. We need to make sure that we're doing it right. You know, um, and this is a, a big pet peeve of mine. You know, we see all of these movements, all these women movements, but where are we still, right? Where are we with all of that? So we're going to talk about that. But before we get into, before we get into the meat of the show, it's time for our preliminaries. So it is now time for our Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Uh what does keeps keep mean? It's on fleek. Can you use it in a sentence? I didn't want fleek to lit. And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. So this week's Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week is what aboutism? What aboutism? 
When you deflect criticism by pointing out flaws in your opponent, specifically using the phrase, what about X? This is an attempt to excuse you from changing your behavior by painting your opponent as a hypocrite. Mm, 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 mm. Example, dad, son, you haven't cleaned your room in two years. Please clean it up. Son, why are you always telling me to clean my room? What about your room? Or what about your relationship with mom? Shouldn't you be cleaning one of them up? Dad, quit your whataboutism and clean your damn room. I'm tired of seeing that dead rat over there in the corner. First of all, this is clearly not a black household. This These examples are not are not coming from the black community, because if any of my friends and myself included were to speak to our parents like this, we would be in an orphanage because we would, because our parents would have been, I don't know, our parents would have been in jail ASAP Rocky for the attack on our life. Or we would be six feet under because we would not even be alive to tell the tale. Either way, what about ism though? Even though the example is, you know, kind of whatever, um, there is a lot of truth to it because there are, you know, kids love to, to do this. What about you? What about you business? I have, I have seen this. I have seen this in, in the making, but I would like to say that adults do this. What about you? What about you? What aboutism thing as well? And I think the first part of the definition really rang true when you deflect criticism by pointing out the flaws in your opponent. But and then it's this thing that people like to do, right, where they then try to paint you as a hypocrite for, in a sense, letting them know about themselves. And I hate that. Right. I hate that. And I find that we do it a lot as adults. I know that kids do it, but kids, a lot of times they don't know any better. They're just trying to figure out a way out of their situation. But as adults, we do know better and we should know better. And when one of our friends, especially if our friend comes to us in love to call us out on our BS, because some of us be wilding out in these streets and you have and you're fortunate enough to have friends and family to let you know about yourself instead of accepting the constructive criticism taking a step back, self-reflect and be like, "Mm, I am bugging right now. You want to then flip the script and make them look like they're the hypocrite by calling out something they probably did God knows when. And the thing is, is that even if I, who who am, Lord, I can't talk, even though I, I'm trying to be poetic here and it's not working. I'll try this again. Even though I, as an imperfect soul, If I come to you with something objectively effed up and I'm like, dude, you are messing up right now. You don't use my life and to say, well, you're not perfect. Who are you to judge? It's not about judging. If I'm calling you out on something that is to better you, what I do, what I've done is not is not at issue at that moment. If you want to have a secret powwow or if you want to have a conversation with me about what I'm doing in my life at a later time fine but if I'm coming to you to point something out because I love you or I I want to see I don't want to see you go down a certain path don't flip the script and do this what aboutism on me talking about what about you your marriage ain't whatever your relationship ain't whatever yes that might be true but we're talking about you at this time 
this is why I feel like, you know, we sometimes as a as a group, we cannot move forward because we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to be confronted with facts. And when we are confronted with facts, we deflect. And that's not how you move forward in unity. We should be able in love to let somebody know about themselves. I mean, the Bible even gives this authority. You know what I mean? So I actually... I don't know if I would call it what aboutism, but I definitely see where they're going, you know, with this definition. And I think that there's so much truth to it. So I give this my stamp of approval. <laughs> Either way, we are now on to the Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. <laughs> word or phrase of the week is so the reason that this is the Haitian Creole word of the week is because I actually got a DM the other day by somebody I will not reveal their name who was like Rita I appreciate your Haitian Creole word or phrases of the week can you please give us some more phrases where we can identify when somebody is talking bad about us or when we are or when um what did they say? I wrote it down or, or how to defect foul play on our name. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Most people, they want to learn Creole because they want to be able to know when somebody is talking about them. So I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I'm trying to give a, a you know, well-rounded experience here, but I feel you. So basically means you must be crazy. You must be crazy. So if you hear somebody say, that means they're asking you or they're telling you, you must be crazy. So that is, <laughs> that is the word. So for the person who was, uh, who, who was asking for uh, words to identify or phrases to know, um, here you go. <laughs> You're welcome. So it is now time for one of my favorite sections of the show. It is now time for the Big Up of the Week. So this week's Big Up of the Week goes to all of the phenomenal women that we have highlighted so far on Instagram. I know it's the easy way out, but guys, it's Women's History Month and there's so much to go around. So for the, we didn't post today yet, but for the 12 women that we have highlighted so far, the big up goes to you. And one of them in particular, um, and I say one, they're really a duo, but they came as a package of one. M&M Angels. M&M Angels is a nonprofit organization that is helping the community. And it was started by an eight-year-old girl by the name of Morgan. And her mother, Barbara, is the COO. So I wanted to actually highlight them specifically because whenever we have young people, whenever we have children, you know, basically doing adult work, right? We need to highlight them. We need to highlight them. I love to see children taking the initiative and just showing compassion and being so human at such a young age because Morgan could have been out here double dutching, 
and you know making arts and crafts not to say that she doesn't but she could have just been focused on that but instead she wanted to give back to her community at such a young age and it's so beautiful to see her mother as her COO so she's the CEO Morgan and then her mother's the COO and together they are changing lives and changing communities. So big up to them and the rest of the women who we've been highlighting so far on the Black Ivy Media platform. So with every high, there is a low, guys. And this week's law, I'm going to keep it short because I don't want to talk too much about this man, but Jesse Smollett. Jussie Lyon Smollett. Now, I know many of you have seen the latest on him, right? So he was recently sentenced to, I think, 100, was it 150 days in jail? And he did not take this sentence as a G. He went off in the courtroom talking about he is not suicidal. He is not suicidal. He was telling the judge, I respect you, however, but um, going crazy. Now, I'm not saying that Jesse does not have uh, is not on to something with this because Jesse is very pretty. Jesse is also from a certain community. Jesse is going to jail. I'm going to just let you guys link that together. So he may actually be fearful for his life in in not the way that you think that somebody's going to kill him, but. You know, he may may go into cardiac arrest after certain activity or maybe an abundance of a certain activity. That's all I'm saying. But for me, I'm like, Jesse, the facts are here. We know what you did. Just own up to it. Own up to it and stop wasting taxpayer dollars. Stop wasting our times because we could be focused on something else. Like, just take it like a G and move on. Like the fact that, we had to go through all of this is crazy to me. I mean, Chicago, there are murder bodies dropping every day. These resources could have went to figure out these unsolved mysteries. You know what I mean? So the womp womp really does go to him because here we are still in Jesse Smollett mess. This could have been over a long ass time ago. We know it was a hoax, but you're still wrong and strong, which is where I truly believe that this man suffers from mental illness. You can't tell me that he doesn't. You can't tell me that he doesn't. Some form of narcissism, some form of sociopath, because wrong in that wrong and strong nature usually lies, you know, which is, is usually a foundation of somebody who is narcissistic and who is sociopathic. And listen, although I am not a licensed clinical therapist, I have done a lot of research on this. I've had a lot of practice, you know, practicums in my life because I have unfortunately dated a couple of these uh, narcissistic and sociopathic people. And I have actually done research. I have bought books. I have read books. I have read white papers and research papers on this type of phenomenon because I am fascinated by the human psyche and, and the way that people interact with each other. Either way, as I give you my qualifications as to why I can diagnose this man with mental illness, um, I really do believe that he has to have mental illness. He has to. I mean, I know he's an actor, but this is beyond acting. This is way beyond acting in my in my opinion. But either way, the womp womp of the week goes to him for wasting court resources, wasting our time um, and whatnot. I really do hope that he is safe in jail. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you put yourself there. I can't feel bad for you. You did this to yourself. Either way, that is my opinion. <laughs> and we are now on to the meat of the show.
everyone. I'm here with my very special guest, Diane. Diane, please say hello. Hello, people in According to RP Land. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, Diane. Thank you for having me, Rita. Of course, of course. So you're no uh, stranger to, I guess, my podcast platforms because you were a guest on Frida's World, what, maybe, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Right. At least, at least. And I remember that episode, we were talking about um, navigating disability. Right. I think that was that episode. So for those of you who are uh, new and have not, you know, heard any of uh, Frida's World episodes, Frida's World is a podcast that focuses on professional women of color. We talk about, you know, things that happen both in and out of the workplace. And so I don't remember which number episode you were. Uh, But we talked about navigating disability and we gave a lot of um, resources, tips and just support for women who may be experiencing disability, but have no way or have no understanding of how to really, you know, speak up for themselves, stand up for themselves in the workplace. Correct. Right. So today we are going to talk about women's empowerment and women supporting women as we are in Women's History Month. Right. But before we get into this topic You know, I'm sure there are many people who are wondering, okay, who is Diane? We want to know a little bit more than her being a past guest on another show. Like, who is this chick? (laughs) Um, So my name is Diane Samu Graves. Um, I actually met Rita in law school. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Fordham University School of Law. Yep, yep. (laughs) Um, And so I am a practicing attorney. Um, I work for the government. Um, As an attorney, I also uh, run a company that provides uh, services for children and their families, and these children have autism. Mm. So I've been wearing a couple of hats for the last few years, Um, but, you know, it it keeps me busy. It it keeps things fresh. It keeps things exciting. So it's just a little bit professionally uh, what I do. All right. And interestingly, you mentioned um, the company, right? Because right. next month, April is Autism Awareness Month. Correct. Right. And we had an episode last, uh, I think it was last year, I had a friend of mine who, mm-hmm. um, she is a social worker, but also the parent of a child with autism. So right. she spoke from like two different lenses. Correct. But, you know, I may have you back on the show <laughs> okay. uh, right. to talk about you know, the services in particular, because you're not coming from a place of a parent, right? You're coming right. from strictly kind of a uh, clinical, maybe business yes. services uh, perspective. Yes. So I'd be interested in hearing more about that. So guys, keep me accountable. Diane's coming back in April. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I have been told. Yes. So that's yes. what it is. <laughs> so Diane, you know, we've been talking offline about women's empowerment and kind of like at least, you know, where the movement uh, has, has has gone. Right. Or right. how it's maybe how it started, where it's going. Um, and one of the questions that I've been asking myself recently is, you know, you know, how empowered are we, especially as black women with all of these movements? Like, I feel like there are a million women's empowerment movements, mm-hmm. forums, online forums, Facebook groups. But how empowered are we really? Right. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, the women empowerment movement as it mm-hmm. pertains to black women, especially right. black women professionals. What right. are your thoughts on that? And do you think um, we've moved enough? Do you think that there's more that we can do? Do you think that we are em- empowered? 
Right. So I think this is like um, this is a, a an important question. I also think it's it's multi layered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because how empowered are we? Well, what profession are you in? Uh, and I can certainly speak to the legal profession. And I think it's it's so interesting, right? Because um, I attended a forum a few weeks ago, and a lady stood up and she said, um, you know. Uh, how do I get other women to support me? Because I feel like, you know, women just tear women down. Mm. And, you know, when she said that, it it definitely gave me pause because I will be very honest, that has not been my experience. Okay. Um, Particularly with women of color. It has not been my experience. And I have been fortunate in that I am surrounded by some of the dopest women like you will ever encounter. And I'm one of them. Absolutely. (laughs) You are at the forefront of that. At the top tier. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, I think that the women that I have been fortunate enough to encounter realize that, right, there's this saying, um, lift as we climb. Mm. Right. And I think that that having that kind of mentality that no, we're not crabs in a barrel. No, we don't need to pull each other down in order to get ahead. When in fact, even if I help you get ahead and you get ahead of me, then you're going to remember I helped you get ahead and you're going to pull me with you. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, we talk about being empowered and it's not just being empowered, it's also empowering mm. other women. Right. Um, and so have we gone far enough? No. And I say no because there was that woman that stood up at the forum and made the comments right. that, that she did. Um, now, I, again, you know, I am where I am today because other women of color have have helped me get to where I am. So um, there's still a lot more work that that we need to do. Right. And I agree with you there. I think that I, too, have been fortunate to be surrounded by amazing women. Um, You being at the forefront as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We were fortunate to to like, you know, create a a very small and intimate group. Yes. Of only four of us (laughs) from law school that has stuck together Mm -hmm. like 11, what, 12, 13, 14 years later. Um, So I, too, have had like similar experience with you. Um, Having women of color, particularly black women, actually, you know, you know, pour into me and -hmm. really help me get to where I am today. Um, You know, friends, but even, you know, older, you know, older women, older black women Mm -hmm. who either saw something in me or based on the circumstance, I was able to reach out to them and they didn't shun me and they didn't put me to the side. Right. What I will say, though, is that. Maybe the reason my experience could be a little different is because I have never actually had a black woman supervisor. Mm. And I know that when I hear these conversations about not feeling supported, not feeling mentored, it comes from, um, I mean, at least for the moment I've heard, it usually stems from them being in a position where their supervisor is either a woman of color or a black woman. And they don't feel supported because they that tearing down that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, they feel like that that atmosphere is present, right? Where if this black woman supervisor, woman of color supervisor, pours in to this, you know, subordinate or line mm-hmm. assistant, 
that there is a fear that this person may rise to a level that can make, you know, I guess get that supervisor's job in jeopardy, right? right? And I think, unfortunately, because of certain cultures, like whether it's the corporate culture, I think mm-hmm. it's usually the, the one that's the uh, the culprit of yeah. all these conversations. Um, there, there could only be one. There's this idea that there could only be one. Right. Right. And so I think that in those settings, that may be where we hear more of these conversations where it's really an issue about mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my question to you is, how do we... I guess, develop mentorship? How do we um, increase mentorship within our community, especially with black professional women? Right. So um, I do think it's important that we make that distinction between supervision Mm -hmm. and mentorship, Mm -hmm. right? And when we talk about supervision, I think it's important that we, we are able to discern whether or not that supervisor is tearing us down Or is she, you know, I guess, picking us apart to build us better? Constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. And does she see potential in you that she's really trying to expose, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's important that we always look at it, especially if it's another woman of color, from a really objective lens. Okay. Um, But to answer your question in terms of how do we get that mentorship, man, mentorship has been such such an important part of my journey. Um, you know, my, uh, my second job out of law school, it's because I found a mentor at my first job that put me on to this second job. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I switched within my agency, it's because I found a mentor who said, I'm gonna bring you over to my department because my department's less crazy mm-hmm. than what's going on in your department. Um, and when I started to excel in the current department I'm in, it's because, and all of these are older women. Um, and even if they're not much older, they're still older than me. They've been doing it longer than me. Um, so humble yourself and find a mentor because you don't know everything. Right. Um, and now, you know, the mentors that I have, again, all of them are, are older women, but they're able to prevent me from making the mistakes that either they have made or they have observed others make. And what mentors do is they make your journey much easier. Mm-hmm. And how do you get one? You ask one. You find a woman who is, uh, and this is important, who is above you in your position, right? where you want to go, where you are aspiring to be. And you say to her, hey, can I take you for coffee? Can I take you for lunch? Can I pick your brain? You know, COVID, all right, we're not in the office. It's not that easy to say, let's go out. Yeah, Hey, can I have like 15 minutes of your time for Zoom? And what you will find is particularly amongst black women and other women of color, really, is we are willing to to give you the time. We are willing to, you know, fit you in. But make sure that when you ask, when you make your ask, that you're actually serious about your ask. Right. Don't waste your time and don't waste their time. So if you're asking them for their time and their mentorship and their expertise and their wisdom, make sure that you are open to receiving it and following through with what they say. Because... And this is, you know, from experience, there's there's nothing more frustrating than advising someone and then having them do what they think is best anyway, because it's like, well, why'd you waste 
my time asking for my advice. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, something you said um, triggered something that I wanted to kind of make sure I made a, a distinction or clarification on as well, too. So older, when we're talking about older women, mm-hmm. you know, it, for mentorship, I would also say older in, in, in the career path yes. in terms yes. of like years, right? Because yes. one thing that I've noticed is that sometimes people have an issue taking direction from somebody who's younger than them. Right. So even though, you know, this person might be younger than you or mm-hmm. even your same age, mm-hmm. but they may have a higher title than you. They might have yeah. been practicing law longer than you have. Yes. So that's something that I think that people should take into account that, listen, it's not necessarily about the age of the person, but it's really the age in the career. Like how that's old correct. have they been in, you know, how old are you in legal years or in right. medical years or right. in whatever years? Right. Yeah, no, I think that that is that is very, very important, right? And that gets back to like, be humble. Mm-hmm. Right. Because sure, <laughs> that person might be five years younger than you chronologically. But if they've been in that career five years longer than you and, you know, they've advanced further mm-hmm. than you have been able to advance, then they've obviously figured something out that they need to put you on game. Right. Um, and so I read I think that that's that's very important that you made that distinction. The other thing I want to um, touch on is when we speak about mentorship again, you know, for me, I want I'm always looking to find a woman of color, a black woman in mm-hmm. particular, because I think that there are certain struggles or certain journeys yeah. there are certain aspects of our career that only somebody who looks like yes. us um, can can really attest to. Right. Can really like advise on. Right. right. Um, because women of color, it's 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 so broad. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about people from the Asian persuasion. We're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, Hispanic Mm -hmm. women. We could talk about Arab women. Mm -hmm. We could talk about, you know, Southeast Southeast Asian women in general. Right. Um, So and but each group. Yes. Has their own plight. Southeast Asian women have their own plight. Right. Hispanic women say their own plight. Um, Women, you know, white women, because they're minorities, their own plight. So I feel like a lot of times um, when we talk about mentorship and wanting mentorship from black women, sometimes people kind of give like a side eye, like, well, you can get mentorship from anywhere. And although that is true, but I think I think defining, um, like you said, your your role, your path and Mm -hmm. what exactly you are wanting Mm -hmm. to to get out of this relationship Mm -hmm. is important, right? I think for me, that's important. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, no one's going to tell you to fix your hair and (laughs) pull up your blouse the way a black woman's going to tell you to do that, right? Because um, we have to be, we we wear so many different masks, Mm -hmm. right, In, in corporate America and our professions, right? And so we are hyper aware that as black women, we are seen differently, right? If we wear our hair naturally, um, it might give across this militant vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, if we wear, you know, uh, the same kind of blouse as a colleague who is a little less voluptuous, right? Mm-hmm. We are over-sexualized or we are seen as inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, whereas, you know, if you, as a black woman, if I have a a Southeast Asian mentor, um, you know, she might be able to give me career advice, but she's not going to be able to spot that, Ooh, 
baby, go fix your hair. Mm-hmm. Right? They're they're not gonna like the way. And it's it it sucks that it's 2022 and we still have to have these conversations. But that is what the reality is, is that these conversations are still happening. They're still necessary because there these these black women that are further along in their career have been in boardrooms that you have not been in mm-hmm. and they've been in meetings that you have not been in. Um, you know, a funny, funny story. Um, there's there's a young woman who uh, she she appears african-american to me and you know but Mm -hmm. she says that you know she doesn't identify as black and you know i was talking to one of my mentors and i was like i I can't understand how she doesn't identify as black and my mentor said well the issue isn't that she doesn't identify as black the issue is she doesn't realize that the world has already identified her as black Mm -hmm. right and so they give you a very um, specific lens, right? To be able to see through and navigate through that, you know, no other ethnic group can really do for you. Right. Um, and so I, I agree with you, Rita. Yes, it, it is super important, um, particularly when it comes to how do you present yourself, that you do, you know, kind of have these affinity groups that, that can check you and, right. and tell you certain things that, another affinity group cannot. Right, right. No, I think that's really important, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, mentorship. And the thing is, is that you can have more than one mentor, right? Absolutely. Sometimes people think that they have to have like, this one mentor for everything but you can have male mentors Mm -hmm. you can have white mentors you can have you know whatever mentors you want but i think that as black women it is important to identify um particularly another woman of you know another black woman in the career path that Mm -hmm. you are in Mm -hmm. to really help you with some of these nuances right that other groups are not either privy to or don't have to really deal with period correct I have a male mentor, I have a Southeast Asian mentor, and I have two black female mentors. Because you know what? The more the merrier. Because all of these people are in places in their career that I'm like, yep, I need to be there. That needs to be my income bracket too. Right. Um, and they keep pushing you and, and they each of them pours different things into me. Mm-hmm. So if you are fortunate enough that you can get more than one mentor, do it and thank them mm-hmm. and take whatever you can from them and run. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so now I want to kind of shift a little bit since we are, I mean, not really shift too much because we're talking about the workplace now, right. but I want to kind of go a little deeper into that. Um, how can managers, employers, um, it sounds silly to say, but poor, poor, you know, into black women more, pour more into black women, right? How can they really get us to where we need to be professionally? Because that's been the, uh, I don't know, complaints, maybe the chief complaint mm-hmm. from a lot of women is that their employer, their managers, their, their company, they don't do enough for black women, mm-hmm. right? They may have programs and they may have, you know, things set up for women, mm-hmm. right? but they really don't have anything specific for black women because mm-hmm. we've identified that there is there is a difference right. whether we want to believe it or not acknowledge it you know whatever there is a difference um so 
I guess it's maybe maybe two part now that I'm thinking about it more. One, is there an obligation, I guess, for employers to specify services, mm-hmm. resources for black women? Mm-hmm. And I guess if you think that maybe there should be an obligation or they should at least attempt to do, you know, to do things, what are those things that they can do? So there is, um, I don't think there's an obligation for them to specify. I think there's an obligation for them to acknowledge their unconscious biases, mm. right? Because, um, and we all have them. Right. Right. So let's just off the bat, you you see a person of a certain race, body build, whatever, you make certain assumptions about mm-hmm. them. Those are unconscious biases, right? right? And oftentimes employers, supervisors, whoever have these unconscious biases about your ability level because you are a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so what I would encourage them to do is do the work to realize what their unconscious biases are and then address them. Because once you address them and you realize that me as a black woman, I am just as as capable, if not more capable mm-hmm. than, you know, my Caucasian colleague to do certain things. Um And so then you begin to give me the same opportunities that you may have passed me up for beforehand because of your biases. Um, And then you give everyone the opportunity to really excel, to really improve themselves and to give them constructive criticism and not just criticism. Right. And um, I mean, this we, we see this in schools. Right. Starting Mm -hmm. in grade school, we see how, you know, the outcomes of black children, how they're treated versus their white counterparts and all of those biases. Right. They're not just the teachers in grade schools. They carry over into the workforce. So I think that they that employers certainly have an obligation um, to do that work. And and they they should. Right. Which is unfortunate because we're in a time where you know uh we're dealing with some some interesting legislation right. coming out from from some states saying that uh you know critical we, race theory yeah but I mean, it, it goes beyond the critical race theory. I mean, I think Florida has like recently like banned, I think, conversations about about LGBTQ. Oh, yeah. the It's like the don't say gay bill right. or something like that. Um, so as states are doing this, these conversations become even more important. Right. Right. About unconscious bias. Um because what's going to happen if, you know, one of the worst things I I absolutely hate to hear someone say is, you know, something to the effect of, um, well, I'm not racist. I have black friends. Right. Don't want to hear it. No. Because that tells me off the bat you're racist because you've you got a couple tokens to validate yourself. Right. right? Um, so, yes, they have an obligation to do that work. And I hope that they do. I hope that they do too. <laughs> so now let's get a little spicy. Okay. All right. All right. My friends always laugh at me when I say that because spicy is like, you know, being Haitian American, we take random ass terms yeah. and we make them, you know, something. So my mom likes to say, let's get spicy. So 
what about situations where the black woman supervisor, black mm-hmm. woman head of department, mm-hmm. black woman chief mm-hmm. is the one, um, you know, I don't know, committing uncon- unconscious bias, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, towards their black mm-hmm. subordinates, mm-hmm. right? Like how, I mean, the I guess the answer would be they got to do the work, but it's hard sometimes when, when you are talking to about another black woman right. who is looking at their black subordinates right. through the eyes of, I don't even know if it's unconscious, yeah. the bias, right. right? Right. Like how, how do we, as maybe the subordinate who's dealing with this from our, our supervisor or our uh-huh. department or chief, how do we go about tackling that? Cause it's easy when it's a white person or a non-black person Correct. to call them out and say, you're, you're being racist, yeah, right? Yeah. But when it's when it's a boss, a black boss who has determined that, listen, like you know, I I went to this school, I went to that school, I know what I'm doing, I know how black people are, I know mm. how black people generally can be, mm-hmm. and they project that on you. Mm-hmm. How how do we as, as as the black person on the other side? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, how do we deal with that? that? That's a real question. And I had that conversation actually yesterday because um, <laughs> that's a real life question. Right. right it there. happens a lot. It does. You find your allies. Right. And it, there's a good chance you are not the only person who is being subjected to this kind of treatment or, you know, uh, these assumptions aren't just being made about you because, you know. Hopefully there's at least one other black person. <laughs> right. And you find allyship there. And there are certainly strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you 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 figure out, okay, you know, what are my rights? Mm-hmm. What are my rights and how I'm being treated? And then you do it by the book. So make sure you know what the book says, right? Right. Because if you need to be transferred to another, you know, department because it's just that hostile or, you know, you guys need to to find some sort of safety um, in such an environment, then you make sure that you know the steps to take to do it. And if you, there are strength in numbers, then you use your strength in numbers and you figure out how to do that. Um, I'm thinking of a, a particular situation um, and, you know, fortunately there were enough um, people that were being subjected to this that they took it to the union. Mm. And, you know, unions are a beautiful thing. Listen, you, know, you, you know that, Rita. I used to be a labor attorney. That's you do right. not mess with the unions. That's right. Unions are a beautiful thing. And as long as everything has been documented and it's by the book, I mean, this particular person I'm thinking about got reassigned. Mm. to a different department. I don't know if that fixed the problem because, you know, she's probably terrorizing somebody else. Right. But you're not terrorizing me anymore. Right. So um, there there are certainly ways to do it. The first step is find your allies. Second step is know what the rule book says and then play by the rules. Right. Because when I think about women empowerment, this conversation comes up a lot where mm-hmm. the people, because a lot of times, ironically enough, it's the same women that mm-hmm. are preaching women empowerment that mm-hmm. are sitting on panels talking about diversity, inclusion, and all this other stuff that are 
sometimes the main culprit in how they are actually treating their staff, right? right? They're not in tune with their own unconscious bias towards their own. And I think one thing that I would love people to really come to terms with and realize is that although the saying that black people can't be racist is a thing, Mm -hmm. but black people certainly can be biased and prejudiced and and all of these things. And so if you are experiencing that, you know, don't, say you know what i'm not gonna pursue it because you know what you know i like like because people like they don't know how to really like uh attribute the language and they'll just yeah. say racist right and then and then they just leave it alone like right. well she's black i'm black i'll right. deal with it right but they can be prejudiced absolutely and i think that gets back to um allyship if and i'm not saying you know you do this to your superior you as a subordinate mm-hmm but if you have an ally and someone that is equally situated with that person, often and and you can confide in that ally, oftentimes um, you can get that ally to call out their equal mm. and to bring it to that equal's attention. Right. Because there's no retaliatory measure your equal can really take against you. Right. right? And so that is certainly one way to navigate things. Um, And, you know, one of my mentors said to me, she said, listen, if there's an issue that you're not comfortable addressing, she goes, you let me know and it will get addressed anonymously. Bam. And that is, again, gets back to mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. Gets back to allyship. Um, So make sure that, you know who your friends are. Make sure you know who your confidants are, um, particularly in in the workplace. And you can navigate it and you will navigate it and you will be successful. Can your ally in a situation like that be a white woman? Yes. Okay. I will say that, but I will caution you. Mm -hmm. I will caution you that um, just be very careful. Make sure that whoever your ally is, is properly vetted. Right. And you don't end up in a situation where you get thrown under the Mm -hmm. bus um, and you are made a scapegoat. Right. And I think that's all I can really say about that situation. And if you have questions about that, go ahead, get yourself a black female uh, mentor and she will explain (laughs) (laughs) precisely what I mean. We don't got to get into We're it not here, gonna get into it. but yes. find yourself a black woman mentor and she will explain to you scapegoating and throwing under the bus ship. Correct. Right. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, people really don't understand sometimes like the, our plight as black professional women. Right. Um, we go through so much and a lot of times, you know, we are placed in settings where we don't have other black women, Mm -hmm. you know, to draw support from. I've been fortunate, I think in most of my, my, my legal jobs to have strong black women Mm -hmm. that were on the same level as me or a level above me really serving as a mentor, serving as an ally, just certainly as a confidant. Um, And I I can tell you that that has made my legal professional experience 10 times better. And Mm -hmm. I, and I, cause I feel for the friends that I do have that do not have that where they work. Right. Um, but with that being said, when we're talking about drawing from each other as 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 women of black as black women for support, 
What can women who work in settings where there is no, you know, they're the only black woman. Right. Um, and they're and they're in need of true empowerment. They're wanting to be empowered. Right. Um, but they don't have that opportunity in their current workplace. What can they do to get that, you know, to get that empowerment? You join a professional organization. Okay. That's how you do that. Um, and you might need to look outside of your organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in in our case, there's uh, you know the National Bar Association, right? Um, there's uh, the American Bar Association. So whatever your professional organization is, you will find someone within that professional organization, and you take the same steps we talked about earlier mm-hmm. to finding that mentorship. And sometimes that might even be better, right? Be- because they're not within your organization, so they can truly give you an objective perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but never ever feel that you are alone, because mm. you're not. You're, you know, there there are very few professions, none that I can actually think of, where a black woman hasn't already done it, right, and been successful at it, right. So go find them, right. I agree with you there. And to take that a step further, um, some of these, uh, you know, disciplines have like affinity groups, right? Absolutely. So like for myself, you know, I was part of the Haitian American Lawyers Association as a Haitian American. So not only was I, you know, given an opportunity to pick the brains of black women, but black Haitian women Mm -hmm. at that. And there, I know that there's the Nigerian, you know, uh, uh, association and so you know depending on your 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 discipline you know right. not every discipline is going to have it broken down like that right but i feel like at this point there's at least a black something a black organization a black whatever black medical students right. black engineers for you to really feel you know or, or or more so like get this empowerment that you seek because we all need it right we do we all need it we do Okay. Yeah. Well, Diane, I think that this was an amazing conversation. I think that, um, you know, we're definitely going to explore, you know, more of these conversations as the year goes by. You know, Women's History Month, I think, gives us an opportunity to kind of really hone in and to, or, or to come back to certain, you know, topics and address certain things that affect women. But certainly these conversations should not only be relegated to the month of March. Correct. Right. I agree with that. Right, right. And so are there any final words that you would love to leave our listeners with? In terms, you know, since we're talking about empowerment, we're talking about encouragement, there may be some women who are tuning in that are like, man, like I again, like I really just feel like I need to be empowered. I really feel like, you know, maybe some of these women's empowerment groups that I've been a part of mm-hmm. on Facebook or online have not really, you know, done it for me. And they're kind of like over it. Right. Cause I've right. had that conversation with many women who have kind of given up on this women empowerment thing. Mm-hmm. They feel like it's a gimmick almost, and mm. they're just ready to like walk away. But I mean, what I guess final words would you have for women who are in that position? So whether or not you are empowered is your decision Mm. and your actions determine whether or not you are empowered. But once you have empowered yourself, you have a responsibility and an obligation to go out and empower others, empower younger women. And it gets right back to what I said in the beginning, right? 
we are going to lift as we climb. Right. I love that. And with that, you know, empowering others does not mean you need to go start an organization. You don't. <laughs> because, Please don't. We got a whole lot. I am tired <laughs> yes. of everybody on the block yes. having a women empowers organization. Yes, stop it. <laughs> we can all come together. We can. We can empower those or, you know, or, or you know, align ourselves with organizations, established organizations yes. that are doing the work. Right. We want you to empower others, but you don't need to have, you know, uh, Stacey's Empowerment Organization LLC right. to do that. Right. Yes, please stop, stop. Like we, uh, not everybody needs to be on a macro level. Like we no. can do stuff on a micro level and be real successful at it. Just you know, very successful very, at it, right? Very. Get some of your friends and say, hey, you know what? We're gonna go into a high school this this month, exactly. or let's create. You know, let's let's do like an online panel or forum or something. Right. You don't need to go file incorporation papers. Correct. To do all of that. <laughs> that is absolutely You know correct. what I mean? I kind of wanted to throw that out there because I think some of the criticism and why some people are over it is that everybody has yeah. a women empowerment organization. And it's kind of like with all of these organizations, why are we not, you know, empowered. further yeah, empowered? absolutely. But I love what you said in terms of empowering yourself mm-hmm. before you go out and like, I guess, attempt to even empower others. Because I... I I have a sneaking suspicion that some of these women who are out here empowering others and unfortunately are failing at it and leaving bad taste in people's mouths is because they themselves have not truly empowered themselves. Mm. And I think that, and it's not, it's not about shade or anything, but it's like in anything you do, right? Like if, if I'm saying that I'm giving therapy, you know, or coaching to somebody, I kind of want to make sure that I am right and I'm in a space where I'm grounded and balanced and knowledgeable Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. So, you know, that would be my advice. We need more mentors out there. We need more people pouring in, but make sure that your cup is at least, I don't know, 75% yeah. full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Please. We're not trying to create chaos in these streets no, here. No, at all, <laughs> at all. Yeah, that's very, very important. Right, right. So, Diane, again, thank you so much for, you know, being an amazing guest as always. Oh, thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. Of course, thank of course. You. And I just want to just say shout out to all the amazing women um, that have come before me and have lifted me up and the women that are with me now and, you know, continue to support me. And y'all, even this morning, Rita gave me some amazing advice Listen. about my career, right? <laughs> that's what I do. Listen, guys, big things are coming. Uh, that's right. Big things that's are coming. Right. Y'all book her now and book her early. Because <laughs> um, pr- yesterday's price is not today's price. Okay. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, just, just shout out to all of the, the empowered women that are taking the time to empower others. Amen. Amen to that. All right, sister. A little preaching career on the side, maybe. <laughs> a little public speaking career hey, on the maybe, side. Maybe. Maybe. Yesterday's prices are not today's Listen, prices. So b- book her now. <laughs> and if you need to figure out how to find Diane, because she's not necessarily on, on the socials, you can DM me at According to RP, you know, on Instagram, and I'll, you know, figure out a way to get you connected to Diane. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of 
according to RP on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I will talk to you guys next week. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. Can't wait to come back. 7 p.m.